Um, we are the proud new owners of a crockpot. You don't want to talk about your crockpot? We can talk about the crockpot. I think it's a little weird you don't want to talk about it. Are you ashamed of getting a crockpot? I'm not ashamed of it. It's pretty I just convenient. Like... But you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm just, you it's know. It's not like some collusion. I know it's not collusion. I'm just saying, you know, it's... Don't be ashamed. I'm not the I f- haven't used it yet. I don't know how good it's... I feel like I need to make my first actual meal with the crockpot, and then I'll know for sure... If it was a good investment. Well, I, I do have some wine, and I know that you can throw some wine in to a crock pot. And you it want makes to throw it... some white wine into the chicken noodle soup I'm going to make tonight? <laughs> I don't know. I've just heard it improves things. I'm sure it does. I just got to... I, I don't know. I'm sort of a scared. I mean, you just got to... What, what What are you? It'll be fine. I just don't want it to be too bland, you know? Yeah, that's it's because you've I heard. I just gotta look up the right spice. I I have the I have the main ingredients I'm gonna put in, but I just gotta look up the other stuff I'm gonna put in, and, and then. You've heard so many of my stories from my mother's crockpot endeavors just that you're bland scared. Ass food, but it's so perfect. It's like it just... I love a hot meal that you really don't have to work hard for. That and, is true, and, you know, and it's not takeout, you know. Yeah, that's it's definitely better for you, and you can make a uh, b- fucking bland ass chicken sandwich. That's for sure. The saddest things about yeah. Hey, <laughs> we can make sandwiches. Ugh. Well, not those kinds of sandwiches, but you know, sloppy good. Joe, dude. I could do barbecue chicken. Yeah, we've got barbecue sauce. I might actually do that for. Uh, oh, that'd be so good. One of the meals this week, I might take the. Uh, oh, too bad I didn't get any corn. That would have been such a good side. Yeah. Or sweet potato, but you hate that. I hate sweet potato. But fried up with a little uh, scallops. It's got a real oniony flavor to it. A lot of salt and pepper. I don't like real scallops. oil. It's real good. I don't like scallops. I get scallops. scallops. I mean, dude, scallion. Wait. Scal scal scallions. Are you thinking of the yeah. green thing or the fish thing? No, I was thinking of scallions. Oh. Okay. Not scallops. Yeah. Scallions did I say scallops? That's very you unlike did say me. Scallops. Yikes, I must be really stoned. I have it on record, and when I'm listening back to this, I'll let you know for, sh- for sure. You do that. So it's Thanksgiving this last weekend. Yep, uh-huh. Today's the last day of our four-day vacation. And you know, this is the this is the first year I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk about how it's just a holiday celebrating the genocide of hundreds of thousands uh native americans on u.s soil i'm not gonna do that but there were probably probably not that many died at the first thanksgiving no it wasn't until everybody started starving how many do you think probably died i don't know before the first thanksgiving that's some pretty i thought they broke bread wasn't it kind of like a truce thing yeah i think so i think it was like the pilgrims desperately needed some recipes no, like they were they were sick of fighting and they were like, let's celebrate with the with the Indian population. I couldn't really tell you. You I always just, ima- I, uh, you always see when they're depicting like I the just, first Thanksgiving that pilgrims and Indians were there together. I just know the smallpox played a a large role later down the road. Well, yeah, but that okay. Anyway, but I said I wasn't going to talk about it. Well, I, I was going to talk specifically about our Thanksgiving yeah. first Thanksgiving at the beach, you know. Yeah, That's that kind was of a big deal. That was weird. It was weird. I um, 
that wasn't we didn't actually spend our our Thanksgiving was really awesome. We we went down to Oceanside. It was so nice. Had a had a nice meal. So nice. With family, and then we spent the next day at the beach, which was such was a good very meal. Weird. It was oh like my God. Oh. so good. It was so tasty. I've spent thirty Thanksgivings almost, practically thirty, twenty nine actually, mm-hmm. um, in Ohio. So it's always cold. Um, usually with my family or your family. Yeah. To somewhere in Ohio, but totally different climate. Totally, totally different. different type of meal. Yeah, totally different kind of menu. No, um, different vibe. Really, really good meal. We had a, if you've never had it, ambrosia salad, which is this insane concoction. I've had ambrosia salad, but that was a different type of ambrosia salad. It's just canned fruit, whipped cream, uh, marshmallows, and maraschino cherries. And if you've ever had it, you know what the 1950s tasted like. Some 1950s dishes you would never order, but they just taste good at Thanksgiving. Cranberry sauce, that kind of stuff. I would never order that at a restaurant. I don't think normally normally you would. The only thing I think I would order that's usually at Thanksgiving is like mashed potatoes, maybe? Like as a side? Yeah, I love mashed potatoes. Turkey Green makes beans. you super tired. I know! I crashed so hard after, after dinner. I felt embarrassed to like fall asleep in front of everybody, but... I, like, I think it's okay. I couldn't. I was like drinking a cup of coffee and I was like falling asleep. It's typical. Yeah, but um, it was good. I enjoyed it, and then the drive back was fine. And then yesterday was cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm training to get ready. We we did a hike today, and I ran like three miles yesterday mm-hmm. in preparation for our your your birthday um, celebration in Joshua tree. We That's right. Bitches. Gonna, it's my birthday. We're going to go check out some, some wildlife, some cool desert landscapes, some Joshua trees. Take some dope ass photos. Really excited about it. It'll be cool. We'll take the crock pot. I can make sandwiches for every day. We yeah, can we could do that. Crock pot Why shit. don't you just make something here? And then we could just take it with us. Yeah. I was going to say we should just get stuff to make sandwiches, and then um, we should bring some, like, really nice, high-quality steaks, and, like, make a really fancy dinner for ourselves. We'll do whatever you want. It's your birthday. That's right, bitch. So we could do whatever you want. Yeah. I think think there's, like, a grill. Maybe there's a grill. Uh, we should inspect their kitchen a little more. Not their kitchen, but I think there's, like, probably a grill. Yeah, dude, we should get some fucking donuts for the road. Oh It'll yeah. It'll be a tight. It'll be a tight. I'm excited. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. And um Yeah, and that's coming up and I guess that's it. Let's see what else? Yeah. Oof. Nothing nothing with my job. Nothing really with your job. And nothing I want to talk about with my <laughs> So yeah, let's get into it. Do you want to read your first, Do you want to read the first article? Yeah, sure. I was going to start it off um getting a little bit more current news or should I start with my scary news? Why don't we do scary news first? No problem. Uh, This article comes from CNN. Breathing in Delhi air equivalent to smoking 44 cigarettes a day. Like a bodega deli? (laughs) I knew you were going to make that joke. Well, no. No, like the Indian capital. Oh my god, I'm so fucking stupid. I thought you were joking. No, I was serious. I was like, at a bodega? I guess. Like, it is kind of dirty and like like a bodega. You're insane. Uh, it was early Deli on. Deli Air. It was early on Tuesday morning. That's the name of the episode. Deli Air. Deli Air. 
And I'm going to spell it like how I think. Uh, yeah, I know you are. Delhi Air. It was early on Tuesday morning when residents in the Indian capital of Delhi first began to notice the thick white haze that had descended across the city. Initially viewed as a mid mild irritant, by midweek its debilitating effects were evident to all. As the city struggled to adapt to the new eerie Martian-like conditions brought about by the pollution. With visibility severely reduced, trains have been cancelled, planes delayed, cars have been piled into each other with multiple traffic incidents reported across the city. And the photos are like, it is so thick you can barely see the hand in front of your face. Really? The sense is that now a city under siege has been enhanced by unusually far-reaching actions of the Delhi government. It kind of looks like the uh, Stephen King series, The Mist. On Tuesday afternoon, city chiefs closed all public and private schools, requesting instead that the city's tens of thousands of school-aged children remain indoors. On Wednesday, they banned incoming trucks and halted civil construction projects, while on Thursday, they announced new plans to begin implementing a partial ban on private car use as of next week. It's like L.A., but on steroids. So wait, how... So what is this? Is this a new thing? So this is totally new. It just came out of... I think it probably has always been an issue with pollution, but it's just particularly bad. But what bad. do they attribute, like, this new... Um, it's, of... I'm getting to it. Okay. But as the city woke up Friday to a fourth straight day of heavy pollution, practical considerations were being overtaken by more serious concerns, with journalists and doctors warning residents of the long-term health implications. Air quality readings in the Indian capital have reached frightening levels in recent days, at one point topping the 1,000 mark on the U.S. Embassy Air Quality Index. The World Health Organization considers anything above 25 to be unsafe. Whoa. It's that big of difference that measure is based on the concentration of fine particulate matter or pm 2.5 per cubic meter the microscopic particles which are smaller than 2.5 micrometers in diameter are considered particularly harmful because they're small enough to lodge deep into the lungs and pass into other organs causing serious serious health risks Across the capital, doctors reported a surge in patients complaining of chest pain, breathlessness, and burning eyes. The number of patients have increased, obviously, a, a pluminologist at Apollo Hospital, one of the largest private hospitals in Delhi, says, I don't think it's ever been so bad in Delhi. I'm very angry that we've had to come to this. Breathing in air at PM 2.5 content between 950 to 1,000 is considered roughly equivalent to smoking 44 cigarettes a day, according to the in- independent Berkeley Earth Science Research Group. I mean, it goes on to discuss the side effects it's it's kind of just the combination of vehicle exhaust, smoke from garbage fire, fires, and crop burning, and a dust road. Road dust, excuse me. Do you hear that? Yeah. So, uh, that's so scary, man. It's basically a gas chamber, people are describing it. It's kind of like Mexico City has that problem. Well, not exactly that problem, but sort of these underdeveloped major metropolis cities, you know. They're kind of like expanding so big, and they're too tightly contained. I mean, think of the think of the babies that are out in this condition. I yeah, mean, these babies are fucked. They, I mean, one person goes on to say, "My eyes are tearing up from the smoke, and I feel suffocated." Says a college student while waiting for her be- a bus amid congested traffic. I mean, and people can't really afford the pollution masks that they need to stay safe. 
they just they can't, can't afford, afford like even like a no because construction the, mask. I mean, that's not really doing anything. But it's doing something. Like you're filtering something. You don't want to just go out there and fucking just naked faced. If, I mean, some people are just wearing their scarves around their faces. It's just really fucked up. But yeah, it sounds so scary. But it also, if you live in L.A., I really think it sounds like something that could happen to you. Well, I think it can. L, uh, the yeah, in L.A. proper, in in the you know the L.A. basin area because yeah. you have the mountains surrounding the valley. it. But no, not the valley. The valley's on the other side of the mountains. It's kind of expanding outward, so there's more area for the pollution to go. But if you have like the the air coming in off the ocean, yeah, between the mountain range, imagine that's kind of like sandwiching it. I right guess. There. Well, no, th- that's how it would work. Um, I mean, there is definitely some pollution in the valley. It all gets trapped in the valley. As... Anything that gets made in the valley gets trapped in the valley. So well, yeah, but, but I'm saying like there's way more traffic in LA. Yeah. And I'm sure the air quality, I mean, they used to have, for like school students, they would have a smog advisories and you'd fucking, in like the 70s, you'd walk out and your eyes would be burning because it would yeah. be so bad. Cause well, the, they're planning know, on, they're planning on doing gas more. And it was so, and they weren't regulated. So you had like cars that were just pissing, you know, exhaust, poisonous exhaust into the air. Yeah. But yeah, Delhi, I can only imagine. I don't know what the landscape is like to attribute it. I imagine it's on the water since it's a major city. It's, you know, but I don't know exactly um, what it'd be like to live there. Like, how I know they're sandwiched. I know it's probably, it's probably a major city. And it just sucks, yeah, because there's nowhere for anybody to... I feel like if you're there, you're stuck there. Like, there's, it's really, it would be really hard to sort of get out of those circumstances because it is a third world like country and uh, probably a city. Yeah, it's um, definitely a hot place to live, too. And it's fucking hot, too, so there's no respite from the heat. It's just like microwaving everybody's it, it was voted the most polluted city in the world in 2014. And in 2016, WHO downgraded Delhi to the 11th worst in the urban air quality database. So bad, but not as bad. Um, according to one estimate, air pollution causes the death of about 10,500 people in Delhi every year. Damn. Can you imagine? 44 cigarettes a day. That's more Oof. than a pack of cigarettes. Are uh, you sure? So, yeah. Those babies are fucked. Oh, yeah. It's really sad, actually. But, I mean, climate change isn't real. But, please, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So, um, this is kind of a, uh, sorry. You gonna wake up? We had that, we had that hike, and I'm sorry I'm yawning so much. Um, this is from Futurism. This is, this is some lighter, more optimistic news. It's still only theoretical, but, um, uh huh. It's kind of like a, was it speculative um, futurism? You know, that's what this website, I think, is. Like, they talk about good things that could come, or bad things, but some good things. Okay. Um, title of the article, Move over, skyscrapers. This plant scraper can feed 5,000 a year. So this is like, it, it's an article. For, I'll, I'll do my best to describe the, um, like a beanstalk? the 3D renderings, in a way. Woo! Nice poll, Gibby, in a way, though. You're not far off. From rooftop gardens to sponge city architecture, natural elements are finding their way into city buildings and around the world. 
This is helping to elevate the effects of flooding, providing food for locals, and even improving air quality. Mm. As populations swell within congested urban areas, it will become more challenging to make locally produced fresh food available. This is why Plantagon, a Swedish food tech company, is proposing the idea of plant scrapers. So what it's depicting here, you'll see sort of like a wedge-shaped skyscraper with tiered, um, oh. tiered uh, gardens, essentially. I know about these. Yeah, I don't think it's a it's a super original idea, but this uh, this this rendering and this this specific dis- building design is is new. Plantagon is building the first of three, uh, first of these in Limpo, Linko, was it Linkoping? Linkoping. How do you pronounce it when it has the uh, the um, the umlaut over the o? Link Linkoping. Wait, let me see. Linkoping. Let me see. Linkoping. Uh, Linkoping. Whatever L- does not matter. You can look it up. <laughs> you can look it up, people. These futuristic green skyscrapers or plant scrapers are simply large buildings that contain massive indoor farms. The project started, which started in 2012, should be completed and ready and ready to open in 2020. So yeah, it's kind of you can definitely tell like some. It's like a just a giant greenhouse, but it's a. Uh, but it's but it's just a plant. Um. Uh, like a hydroponic, like sort of like a hydroponic farm. Huh. So this building would produce approximately 550 tons of vegetables annually. Wow. That's amazing. That's a lot. And it doesn't take up as much space as like a natural, you know, um, like field or whatever would. It takes up far, far less space. So you could put these in cities and stuff, which is really cool. Oh, we could totally benefit from that. This building would cost $40 million to construct, but you could, can't put a price on long-term payoff. A single building would be capable of feeding over 5,000 people every year, which isn't a lot when it, when it comes to Wait, like how a many? major metropolitan area. 5,000. Mm, that's really not that much. It's not a lot, but um, I guess anything that kind of... Uh, it's not about you know solving the whole problem. It's kind of offsetting like some of the problem and then figuring you know you got to do things in baby steps anyway really yeah so if a single building does that you know you can imagine what you know a block of these would do or if you had you know if you had 10 of them that's fifty thousand people that's you know that's a that's a fair amount of vegetables i mean you would just he would just hope that people would be willing to buy a lot of them well you're assuming based on whatever the city's already buying like you'd be able mm-hmm. to figure that out based on like grocery stores and what people import you know right right so instead of importing oh, yeah. from like surrounding areas and stuff you could have shit like that's grown right in or what new if york, new york or whatever what if a building that's constructed that has that kind of capability also have a cafeteria so the people who are employed there are able to be it would be self-sustaining that's kind of what these rendering looks like if you look them up it's half the building is is the plant itself and then the other half is partitioned into like offices and stuff I mean, it kind of makes sense. Broken down to, like, cubicles. I assume a lot of it would, you know, be based on, like, regulating these, uh, the plant life. It's, uh, like, what they're growing itself. But I bet you could grow, um, 
Or you could you could you could rent some of the space out too. You could have people like living in it and stuff, which would be kind of oh, cool. Oh, that would be cool too. If it was like an apartment building that was able to have its own sustaining grocery. Yeah, that'd be kind of it'd be like a little. Oh, that'd be so cool. City. Yeah. Oh cool, hell right? yeah! Yeah, I'd be so into that. It's also a sustainable and local solution, cutting off wasteful transport costs and saving energy when providing quality health quality healthy produce to urban areas that may not have as widespread reliable access. This is kind of like Plus a hydro. It's pretty. It shows kind of how these little, you know, it looks like a hydroponic setup, like any normal one you'd see, but it's just on a massive, massive scale. No, I love it. I, I'm totally going for it. We'll have to wait to see if the World Food Building will deliver on its promises, though. If the launch is successful, then perhaps other cities will follow suit. As populations increase and resources become increasingly scarce, creative solutions like plant scrapers could keep our cities and species flourishing. Well, I also like the idea of of the victory garden, so to speak, for a business, because I love the idea of businesses paying for some kind of living living facilities for the employees based on what they're being paid. So it's like you're nearby, you can work, you can live, you can pay for the reasonable amount of housing, it's just like uh, it's cutting down on gas. It's cutting, you know. But people were such a fucking capitalist society. Nobody will go for that because everybody wants to make as much money as they can. Well, yeah, I think capitalism is is uh, you know, it's obviously benefited those who are used to it. But I think sustainably, as a as our society grows and changes, I don't think it's I don't think things can stay the same. We're definitely headed for a great change. Um, coming up i would imagine like if we're going to be a mm-hmm. good society that bene- that helps its people we would need to have some something like sustainable you know industries and stuff that are in the cities themselves because yeah. cities are getting bigger and they're getting less you know more expensive and all that stuff absolutely and they're getting dirtier too it's funny that you picked your article and i picked mine because it's in the same vein I know, right? I thought that was kind of funny. Especially when you live in L.A. and you're in the heat and the smog and surrounded by terrible drivers all the fucking time. You think to yourself, just there's just so much going on. Like, shouldn't... We've got to do something to alleviate some of the shit we're dealing with. Definitely. Um, I know that was kind of a short one, but I have another one I wanted to do. Yeah? That's cool. Yeah. Um, or we could do one of yours and come back. Yeah, I got one. Why don't you go next? Um, this article comes from thedailybeast.com. How Trump will turn America's open internet into an ugly version of China's. Is this about net neutrality? It sure is. Oh, boy. This is a little bit of a breaking down on what it means, because I I think some people are possibly still confused. Um, Yeah. I found this article very informative, so you can have your opinions however you please, but just so you have a little background on what you're talking about. I think this was a nice article that I read. Yeah. Right now, there are red blocks holding white text all over the internet. Urgent. If you're not freaking out about net neutrality right now, you're not paying attention. Here's some background. When we go online, we expect to be able to access any websites we wish to reach. We don't expect our internet service providers to manipulate the speed at which we view this information or even block content outright. 
Launching from that idea, in 2015, the Federal Communications Commission adopted rules to ensure that internet service is regulated as a utility, meaning that access to web content is consistent, neutral, fair, across the board. Like water. And in theory, free from profit driven meddling by cable companies. Do you like Pearl Jam? Without net neutrality rules, AT&T censored their live stream after Eddie Vedder criticized the then-President George W. Bush. AT&T also blocked the usage of Apple's video chat service, FaceTime, in their network so that customers would have to pay for the most expensive data plans. Verizon blocked messages by sending, uh, sent by abortion groups, N-A-R-A-L, saying that their content was too controversial. Totally going against... Uh, uh, freedom of so speech. Mad. It's very unconstitutional. But it's not just about consuming content. Imagine not being able to converse with a friend or loved one based solely on their political outspokenness for attacking the system, quote unquote. Imagine a much needed communications app disappearing from service without warning, just like how Skype was removed earlier this week from Apple and Android's app stores in China. Like the dictators who expand vast resources to quash dissidents, think China's Xi Jinping. Ping, excuse me, or Russia's Vladimir Putin. The FCC is moving to tear up America's guarantee of free internet. The man behind this move is Ajit Pai. Fuck that guy. The chairman of FCC who took up his post on January 23rd, three days after General J. Trump moved into the White House. In March, Trump said that Pai would be renominated to serve an additional five years as FCC chairman, and the Senate confirmed his term in October. Just a little over a month after his confirmation, Pi is making moves to dismantle freedom in America, which is, you know, a stance. It's worth noting that Pi previously worked as associate general counsel for Verizon Communications, one of the companies that would benefit greatly if his plan is pushed forward. It's also worth noting that FCC Commissioner Jessica Rosenworcel, good God, has spoken out against Pi's plan. This smacks... This smacks of authoritarianism. Oh God, get, I'm sorry. I'm giving up a little. Don't give up. It's <laughs> worth fucking talking. You're talking about something that's crucial to podcasting, Netflix, porn, whatever the fuck you enjoy. It's going to be impacted by this vote of less than fucking five people. It's it's infuriating that something this important could be regulated by a bunch of chumps like this, that are obviously getting fucking paid. To to you know. By these by these huge companies that want to get the keys back to their kingdom that they're slowly losing hold of because Absolutely. people are going more towards the internet and information that they want to get rather than like just going and watching shit on TV. Life sucked when it was just TV. Yeah, I know, people right? People read more and like all that shit. But society's progressing. We need the internet to stay the same. Where mm-hmm. I know there's been some ugly times, but. It's an invention that needs to remain pure. It's it's kind of like if the Nestle guy that which that thinks you know water isn't a right. If anything, that guy that guy's trying to do to the Nestle jerk off is trying to do to water what the FCC is trying to do to the internet. I mean, it's it's a freedom it's a of speech thing, fucking, and I'm terrified. And it's, it's a right it's, to I, information. I'm so afraid it's going to fucking happen. I think it's a right to information, and I think it would be un- unconstitutional to do something like this because I think it has something to do with freedom of speech. I mean, they're so they're so particular about what they want to go with, just as long as it supports their status quo, and it's so frustrating. But this smacks of authoritarian authoritarianism. Fuck it. Authoritarianism, right? 
authoritarianism. I don't know how to. What, See, what it's not so easy, is it? Authoritarian. Easy for you to say. Authoritarianism. Whatever. Especially for those who have actually lived under conditions where free expression is limited or even actively suppressed. Has there been more concerted effort to make America's internet look like China's or Egypt's or Russia's? Pi's move probably wasn't inspired by China's control of web access within its borders, but the parallels are striking. Throttled bandwidth, a great firewall, sensitive keywords that might be might trigger a closer look at your web traffic. Excuse me. Should you think out loud and leave an angry post online? Even yep. Pi's patron, the current American president, couldn't help but fawn all over the chairman of the Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping, during his recent visit to the East Asian powerhouses month, at one point switching the banner photo on his profile photo. Excuse what? me. The profile page of his much-used, much-abused Twitter account to a photo featuring himself, Melania, and the first couple of the People's Republic. Already, we are seeing signs that Pi's plan is supported by foreign elements. New York State uh, Authority... Jesus Christ! Just, just go... Just move through it. Just New York State Attorney General Eric Schneiderman was found that the identities of tens of thousands of state representatives have been stolen and misused to provide manipulated feedback to the FCC regarding net neutrality, effectively paving over the sentiments of sensible disapproval in separate tweet Snyderman said my office analyzed the public comments submitted to the FCC about net neutrality and found that hundreds of thousands of Americans were likely impersonated to drown out the views of real people and businesses (sighs) foreign powers meddling in American affairs via fake online personas that sounds familiar on November 21st the Wall Street Journal published an opt Oh, eh, I don't know, by Pi, who claims that FCC can save the open internet and that smashing the rules that ensure fair and free access to public information would somehow usher in a new age of innovation. It's fucking lies. It's lies, it's lies, it's lies, because it's going to be... Everything... Just fucking assume the worst of any corporation. They only care about shareholders and profits. That's who's going to fucking control the internet. People that don't give a fuck about what you want or what you really think. They're just going to give you what they think you deserve. And And what their shareholders think is like a safe bet. It's kind of like when the WWE went public. It fucking sucks now. The WWE fucking sucks. Beforehand, they were like freer and more. They were trying things out and everything was kind of like going towards what the audience wanted. Yeah. But now everybody knows wrestling's predetermined and they fucking have stockholders to answer to and it fucking makes me so mad because at the end of the day it's like the internet it's not perfect but it's it's kind of the best we got right now until we can you know as a society decide to take it in a more positive or whatever direction um i want to punch that Aji pie fuck right in the face <laughs> I fucking hate him. And it's it's basically the, the, the propaganda pushed by the Chinese Communist Party. President Xi has said that China's designs of how the internet should function benefits humanity and that the People's Republic is on its way to becoming a cyber superpower. I wish we fucking had more of an audience because I think more people... I don't, I don't think enough people are fucking talking about... I've called twice. I've emailed. I've done everything I can. I've tweeted. I've done everything I can to like get awareness about this. But I feel like people aren't fucking. They don't give a shit. It's like you realize we're about to fucking lose something that we all we're all taking this for granted. Everybody's taking it for granted. 
I mean, it's really bad. It's only going to benefit it's people. The worst. I know Trump. Money. I know Trump has done some horrible shit, but honestly, it's the worst thing he's done to the internet is appointing that guy. Yeah, definitely. And supporting his fucking plan. It's an, it's going to be so bad for us. I mean, it really it's going to be really really bad. And I hope that this article provides a little bit more insight as to why it's bad. And hopefully, it if you didn't think it was a big deal before, and now you see what the opposite oh, God. view Please of that is. Please but educate yourselves. But educate yourselves. I mean, you need to know what's going I on. I think we're going to. I think we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about this. Because it's going to affect... Po- I mean, po- I love podcasts. And I've, I've loved podcasts way before I even started doing one. Yeah. But it's going to affect po- It's going to affect everything. Podcasts, Netflix. Like, they hate Netflix because it sucks up so much bandwidth. Um, but honestly, it, it sucks up bandwidth because people use it. It's like people are paying their internet bills for their already slow as fuck American internet anyway. But they're choosing to use their you know, their bandwidth on, on that. And, and honestly, it's like, it should be, it, you, nobody should tell you. It, it's kind of like people are outraged about the water in Flint. Like, it's kind of yeah. like, that sucks, but that's kind of like that. That's it, it. It's, it's, it's like, that's a utility. That's why we see, we should, we don't see the internet like we do water, but we should. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Honestly, it's information's so valuable I've taught myself things on it I've found things out I've I've learned things like I've I've found new artists like like so many small and big things have happened because of the internet and and me like I can't imagine a world that doesn't have it no the way it is I know you just if you want to see some nightmare shit look at look at how Portugal regulates their internet you got to pay for bundles so it's like you want the social bundle Okay, we're going to be paying an extra six dollars to use Instagram. What? Oh my god, it's so yeah, frustrating. It's, or, or or fucking, if you want to go on Amazon, you got to pay extra money just to use Amazon. Could you imagine having to having to pay every every road you take could potentially become a toll road if you think of it in those terms? Yeah, definitely. You fucking go to UPorn to jerk off. That's that's going to probably go away. I, I mean, mean, I know that's like not the we we have a porn <laughs> epidemic in our country, but what I'm saying is like. If you're if you're just looking at stuff online, you shouldn't have to pay extra just to go just because I don't think your, you your should cable have to... provide. And then there, I saw a bunch of bullshit like Comcast yeah. posted. They were like, "We will not throttle. We will not block the <laughs> internet. Once we get the internet, we promise we're gonna make it a good oh place." Oh my god! No, they're it's not. Like, no, you're not. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna. It's gonna start slow, and then they're gonna they're gonna come for for the sites, that, and then at that point. And like you know, if it if it goes this way, if they vote it, I think it's December fourteenth is the vote. So yeah. call the FCC, call them. It does so much more than 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 just tweeting about it. I know it's ironic that calling makes, but it does honestly make more of a difference. Well, at least do something. Or write a letter if you're if you're so inclined. I know we don't have enough listeners. We're probably just speaking into the fucking abyss right now. But it huh. is super important to podcasting. It's probably the most important issue. For a podcaster, it's yeah. like freedom of speech, hell yeah, and the ability to reach anybody who finds our link somewhere to one of our dumb podcasts, they can listen to it. But if we're seen as you know, if if somebody if somebody finds something I've said because I've said some horrible shit about the FCC and cable companies, mm-hmm. called certain ones out, yeah, we could end up getting you know blocked potentially. Any any podcast you 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 like. 
that the cable well, company we're doesn't. Well, pretty, we're pretty small potatoes. But a lot of the podcasts that you really enjoy, things like uh, political podcasts, I mean, all of that's going to change. And remember, I was talking about journalism just this past <sighs> this past so thing and i know we said we wouldn't get political but this is more this like, isn't a fun episode now this is a this is a me angry episode well don't be all right just be productive don't be angry just get productive well, because I am we productive. can all i feel like play I, a part and do something to be involved this is I, our I government am being too. productive but then i feel like everybody's so people don't care enough about this well they care and then it happens and then they care yeah well it's, that's too fucking late it's too late Listen, we'll figure, we're going to figure this out. Oh, whatever. Do, do, uh, do good by the internet. But educate yourselves, please. Most importantly. Yeah, find out what you're going to lose and then decide if it's important or not. Oh my God. Anyway. (laughs) Jesus, Pat. Well, I don't know how to come, I'm like, I don't know, I I just, I think it's important. I mean, that's all. Anyway, hopefully you haven't tuned out. That was like 20 solid minutes of Gibby trying to give you information and then me feeling emotional about it um why don't you go ahead with your article and chill this out. is a real political episode oh my god <laughs> amazon german italian workers protest on black friday dubbed strike friday so this is from TechCrunch. amazon has been one of the strongest driving forces behind the surge of e-commerce holiday sales around thanksgiving black friday and the rest of the days leading to the end of the new year Now, some of its workers in Europe have picked up one of the biggest shopping days of the year to protest the company's practices, drubbing the day Strike Friday instead. Workers at Amazon facilities across Italy and Germany are striking outside Amazon warehouses to speak out against a wide range of company practices that they say endanger, quote, endanger the health of its employees, covering such areas as leadership, culture, and performance controls. Gotta get those fucking iPods out. (laughs) Doesn't doesn't matter if um, Hans gets crushed by the Baylor, because he's smashing all these boxes. What? Isn't that what Baylors do? Don't they crush like cardboard boxes? Um, That's what I used mine for at Kroger yeah. when I worked there. Germany is Amazon's second biggest market globally after the U.S., and the strikes there took place in six major depots in Bad Hersfeld, Leipzig, Rheinberg, Verne, Garben, and Kvolz. According to Verdi, a trade union in Germany, uh, parentheses, they're actually the first, they, and they actually first started earlier the week, and they may go through the weekend. Mm. In Italy, work is associated with the three different unions, Seagill, CISL, and UIL, have been striking in what appears to be only one location. In Piazza, Piazza, Piazza. What? I don't know, I'm trying to say it all Italian. P-I-A- No, you're not doing the hand gesture, right? Ah, better. Like kung fu move. It looks like when I just hold your hand like an Italian (laughs) one. You know, the pinch. Yeah. In Germany, the Verde Union wants Amazon to adopt a new framework of, quote, gut and gutzen arbeit. Uh, Good and healthy work. Easy for you to say. Oh, yeah. It's not. I don't speak a lick of German. Could have fooled me. Potentially, with some pressure from regulatory bodies behind it. Quote, Amazon permanently endangers the health of its employees with its way of working. Uh, high pressure to create more and more in less time. Permanent performance controls 
and monitoring a poor leadership culture and inadequate recovery times are health hazards in the Amazon labor process. Stephanie Nutzberger, <laughs> Verdi, <laughs> Verdi, is it is, is, hot? Is Ver, Verdi or do you do you pronounce the U's like W's or V's like W's and W's like V's in German or is that only Russian? I couldn't really tell you. I'm not a specialist. I'll just say it like the English word. I think you just do. It makes your heart sing. I just don't want to. I just don't want to be inconsistent with what it actually is. Right. Right. Said in a statement originally in German, quote, a special collective of agree- agreement can guarantee healthy and good working conditions. We should create the necessary regulations so that employees are no longer exposed. We should create a necessary regulation so that employees are no longer exposed to the arbitrariness of an employer who also conducts its business at the expense of their health. The complaints in Italy echoed this idea too. Quote, work is not a commodity, said Anna Maria Furlan, a secretary general of CISL in Italy, originally in Italian. I guess, why do they have to keep saying like shit? If she's Italian, she's saying it in fucking Italian. If they're German, they're saying it in German. What's Jesus up with this Christ, article? They're just trying to be diplomatic. Fucking dorks. Uh, the dignity of workers must not be trampled on. Amazon needs an open dialogue with unions over industrial relations, employment stability, and better salaries. Mm-hmm. I mean, the protests look okay. They look, uh, you know, they look pretty decent size in yeah. Italy anyway. Yeah. Amazon tells TechCrunch that not all employees were striking today. That's a bunch of scabs. The vast majority of our employees in Italy and Germany came to work and remained focused on delivering the best customer experience. We will deliver for our customers this holiday season, a spokesman, spokesperson said. Amazon is a good employer. I doubt that. Uh, I would say they're not. I, I fucking, know Based on how fast on. I get my shit, they're probably killing the people that I've worked are for an making it and shipping it. I worked for uh, DC before. It's not great. We are committed to ensuring a fair corporation with all our employees, granting valuable working conditions and a caring and inclusive environment in all our workplaces. Mm -hmm. We've asked if Amazon is negotiating at all with the unions over their requests. And while not answering the question directly, this is what they told us. Quote, Everywhere we operate, we offer fulfillment center employees competitive salaries and a very attractive benefits, including an innovative program called Career Choice, which provides employees funding for their adult education, offering a prepay of 99, 95% of tuition and associated fees for nationally recognized courses, the spokesperson said. To make sure we remain competitive, we review compensation information and benefits that are offered for similar jobs in local areas annually and make adjustments as appropriate. See, the fucked up thing is like, these companies are huge. And when Amazon comes to town, yeah. boy, you better fucking buckle up. They're oh, like yeah. they're like Walmart. It's like Walmart saying, "Yeah, we offer competitive salaries to our grocery employee to what a grocer would make and <sighs> you know, minimum wage basically." In the middle of nowhere, Mississippi or Barely a fucking living. hardware store. It's like yeah, you'd have hard times and good times, but at least your job is consistent here at Walmart even though you're uh, being paid shitty and you're fucking um, you're basically a prisoner to them. Like to. Amazon and Walmart, they're they've built a like a a system that relies on customer service and all that shit. And that's a good thing on the surface and and low prices, all that stuff. But um, 
there's no way it's it's good that like we can buy something as complicated as an iPhone for less than a thousand dollars. I know the yeah. iPhone ten is a thousand dollars, but you know what I mean. Right. Like there's something there's something wrong with our society that we're like you know we're able to build these machines for super cheap and like considering for what they are like that's a fucking computer this is a fucking computer this is a miracle of technology and like you know you could order that on Amazon and then it's shipped by you know we're just it's it's kind of like we're in a we're the model of our world now is like. Let's let's fucking use up as much resources as we can, mm-hmm. and let's let's make this time right now the best it can possibly be for the shareholders. You know what I mean? Like they're gonna we're gonna make so much fucking money. When I was at um, that shitty T-shirt company in Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> which you one? pick which one? I've worked for them all. <laughs> um, they were only concerned with profits. They didn't give a fuck about like you know. It was like well, if we're up, we're up, and then the people with the big money were in charge and. You know, fuck, fuck your working conditions. Fuck, you know, you're you're just lucky you got a job. Uh, that's that's where, and once you're in that situation, that's how you know you're in a shit company. Meanwhile, in every single fucking startup in the world, that's what you're dealing with. It's just remember, people, you are a number to them. You are a profit margin. Just remember that if you work yourself to death and in those kinds of environments, you've got only yourself to blame because whew, anybody could do better. That yeah. is. Not a good place to be. All right. Um, let's see here. Oh, it just gets it just gets my goat. It does, man. Gosh darn it. It it's just a... gets my goat. Uh, the protests come at a key time for Amazon in the region. One on one hand, the company continues to be a juggernaut. Not only when I think of the word juggernaut, I think of the X Men villain. Oh, same. Every time with a big dumb head. Yeah, same. I love juggernaut, it's a great word. Ugh. Not only in the world of e-commerce and cloud services, but new developments in AI and voice interfaces. Don't keep keep Alexa out of your house. Yeah. Oh my God. Series just as bad though. Get that shit out of your house. Do not have something listening Fuck in and Alexa. recording you. Fuck Siri. Dude, I love my family, but they've got an Alexa, and I I'm so worried about them. Yeah, I'm just like y'all oh, shouldn't yeah, have that. You can listen to you know the the Arctic uh-huh. Monkeys, but. It'll add something to your grocery list, but it's also it's adding also something to the FBI every, list. Yeah, exactly. Or its own list. Like, who even knows what nefarious plans oh, they have? Yeah, seriously. Specifically around Amazon's Echo Hub and its Alexa interface are laying the groundwork for Amazon to play a bigger role in our digital lives. On the other hand, the company has been scrutinized for how it's handled its taxes, and in some countries, the impact of having on local and smaller businesses. The former case, it appears that Europe and individual countries are starting to take action. The latter idea of Amazon affecting small and local businesses is less of a call to action these important days than it is some years ago. Although when and if tides turn, we'll see more protests against companies' other practices. This could be an issue again. It should just stay an issue till it's fucking <laughs> resolved. Yeah. Amazon has been lauded, lauded for its immense and effective logistics operations, but protests like these point to how it's not always smooth sailing and that Amazon gains come to, at a labor price, for now at least. <sighs> uh, they will, until robots take over. Yeah. And they're shipping shit to other robots, I guess. <laughs> Germany last year generated over $14.2 billion in sales from Amazon, a distant second to the U.S., and it's $90 billion of revenue. Whoa. Jesus Christ. Ninety billion. That's a lot. That's a lot of fucking money. But still enough to make it the second largest market in the world. 
Italy appears to be the fourth largest market for Amazon in Europe after Germany, the UK, and France. Hmm. Amazon last year earmarked an extra $550 million of investments into the country to build out its businesses, expand data centers, and tap into an economy that is relatively under development. In terms of internet speed and online spend compared to other parts of Europe. Hmm. So. Wow. Strike Friday, baby. Way Great way to spend that day. Should, man. Well, damn. Well, we've had a really positive episode, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. Will the, This is from Popular Science. Will the world shake with more large earthquakes in 2018? Time will tell. Research linking larger earthquakes to change in the Earth's spin remains to be tested. Oh, yes, a much more positive episode. Yeah. Amid panic over the planets that don't exist and conspiracy theories about the moon landing on Google Earth this morning, one headline announced a more down-to-earth sort of doom. Quote, deadly earthquakes could be a billion people next could hit a billion people next year because of the Earth's slowing rotation. The Earth's like, stop this fucking ride. Get these stupid people off. Same Earth, same. While Nibiru, the, the you know, the mystery planet, still doesn't exist, and the moon landing definitely happened, I believe, you know, that, that definitely happened. The last example was based on actual research published in August in the, the Geophysical Research Letters. That was the title of the the research paper or whatever. Uh-huh. Whatever you call it. Ugh, yeah. Sorry. Get it together. Well, where researchers put forward that by looking through the earthquake record, they could predict periods of time where large earthquakes greater than 7-point magnitude, 7.0 magnitude, might be more likely to occur. Hmm. Before we get too much into the research, let's get a few things straight. One can predict an individual earthquake with uh, any degree of accuracy, and it's important to remember that an earthquake's deadliness doesn't determine it by its magnitude, but also depends on how many people live nearby, whether there are any warning systems uh, on how stringent their earthquake building codes are, and finally because we can't predict exactly where earthquakes will strike. There's no way to tell exactly how many people will be impacted by large earthquakes next year. Ooh. Ooh. In the August paper, geophysicists Rebecca Bednick and Roger Billum started looking at the 117-year-long record of earthquakes around the world. Like many who came before, they found a random distribution of earthquakes over time. Then they decided to look at the different metrics related to the earthquakes. Quote, We started with the idea that maybe earthquakes are more like... Uh, neurons or batteries with the sense that they have a certain amount of time required that charges them huh. that charges them up and gives them a potential to fail and after that charging interval they can fail at any time bendix says then in a presentation at the annual meeting of geological society of america the authors built on the paper presenting results that they say show a number of com- large scale common large scale earthquakes rising in roughly 32 year cycle whoa they started looking for geophysical events that might line up in a line up with the pattern and found a match. The events lined up with a tiny slowing sl- slowing slowing <laughs> in the earth's rotation which happened every 32 years, sometimes more, sometimes less. Roughly 5 years after the slowdown, they saw an uptick in the lar- in the record of large earthquakes. Hmm. This is the kind of pre- precious and exciting possibility an earthquake scientist, Bendix says. 
There are no other signals that I know of that led an earthquake cycle in a way that would be useful to doing forecasting or understanding the advancements of how risk changes over time. It's hmm. kind of what I was talking about with the, you know, kind of like with all the mini earthquakes happening around yeah. LA always. How is a big one possible for constant, if things are constantly shifting anyway? When you think of a, a massive earthquake happening, you're imagining like plates building up pressure and, and then like, you know, the, the big shift plates. and the big waves. But like if yeah. tectonic plates are constantly moving. Right. Alleviating you know, pressure. Alleviating the pressure. And I brought this up with several like native Californians and Angelinos specifically. And they yeah. have, don't have like a good answer for, that's the at least commonly known why um, that wouldn't happen but maybe they maybe they know otherwise i don't know i really couldn't i mean it sounds like we don't really have any information either coming forward bendick notes that they're not precisely tying individual large earthquakes to changes in the earth's rotation but simply saying that they might be more statistically likely to happen five to six years after these millisecond long slowdowns damn the slowdown of nature happened a few years ago which means that there's a if their prediction is right Another bunch of large earthquakes should register in the next few years. Ken Hudnut Hudnut in a uh, is a research physicist with the USGS who works with earthquake risk programs and was not involved in the study. Quote the main thing I came away thinking was real old fashioned scientific let's check let's check this kind of thought. Yeah. Hudnut says, noting that correlation is not the same as causation. In other words, the fact that a slowdown happened to coincide with the large uptick of earthquakes does not mean the two things are related, much less that one caused the other. Might have just been, you know, we've only been doing it, the research has only existed for 117 years, so what he's saying, you know, is mm-hmm. like, shit, man. It's not necessarily true. Which I could see that, you know. Yeah. you got to constantly check, science constantly has to check itself. Yeah. The, the beautiful thing about, um, beautiful thing about science. The hope is that when they do turn out to be linked, these activity forecasts might offer some warning for an inherently unpredictable global phenomenon. In, in the abstract of the presentation, Bill and Bendick write, quote, whatever the mechanism of five to six years advance warning of increased seismic hazards afforded the first derivative of the LOD is fortuitous and has a utility in disaster planning. Basically saying, um, we, we maybe have some, you know, metric of predicting this stuff um, if our if our research is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, Hudnut is skeptical of how much actual utility the advance notice offers to a disaster planning community. Quote, I love with to work with disaster planners. Or, sorry, I work with disaster planners. <laughs> That's a lot of what I do, Hudnut says. If I'm an emergency uh. planner on a re- regional or local level in the state of California, I'm thinking about how we can can roll trucks is, is about how we, um, what I'm thinking about is how we can roll trucks. What are we going to open firehouse doors and trucks roll out? Yes or no? I guess that's like his I way of saying, really... talking about disaster planning, roll, tr- I guess roll trucks is like a, is uh, like a common phrase in, in earthquake uh, scientist language. Earthquake scientist language. I love that. A five year heads up on global earthquake activity might seem like it has a utility in disaster planning. And maybe on some level it does, but at what level I work, it does not. So he's talking about the, the realistic. They're still kind of in the testing phases, it sounds like. Mm. Um, 
this is from uh, Bendik. To me, this says this is really fun and exciting and beautiful example of how science works, Bendik says. We put out the hypothesis and two things are going to happen. One is that our colleagues are going to figure out why we're wrong. That's how it's supposed to work. The other is that it's a pretty bold forecast. By the end of next year and certainly by 2020, we'll have a solid testing of findings when a bunch of fucking people die uh, no, after the problem becomes really I bad. have that quake I have that quake tracker app on my phone um, I think earthquakes are really scary but also super interesting yeah um, definitely kind of like how I felt about tornadoes when I was a kid I was really scared of them but but then you saw a twister once and ever since then you've been hooked yeah I haven't watched it in a while though nigh on 20 years whenever that movie came out um it's been a while. Years, yeah. been a while. Um, anyway. all I remember is um. God, my eyes are fucking dry. Yeah, you've been smoking a lot of weed. You little, you little high, bro. I think I just was like reading for so long. I just my eyes. You just unblinking. Up. Look at that. We got the Netflix load <sighs> screen up and the screensaver up, and it's on our big ass TV in this Stranger Things. Um, oh, it looks beautiful. I know. I keep looking at it. I'm just like, ooh, that's tight. some good art. It looks like a, um, love. Drew Struzan poster. Yes, I love this resurgence of 1980s uh, art and is. entertainment. It's coming back. I love that. Um, do you want to wrap this bitch up since everybody's getting sleepy? I'm probably yeah, if you sick made of us it through yawning. this episode, damn. Seriously. Thanks a lot. I know I know that, that was really probably it's off-putting. slow and depressing. Some of that shit I was talking about. But um. But I'm hot, so let's get this fucking yeah, I gotta show the fucking on the road. Air on. God damn! Put me to sleep. Um. Uh, so follow. Uh, <laughs> first and foremost, I wanted to thank the head of Gutter Trash, Eric Schomborn. He is. Uh, he's not directly involved with our show, but he does host our podcast on his network, and I really appreciate him allowing us to do that opportunity. I know. Um. No. You know, he does his own podcast and uh, and has done several before, but I appreciate Eric. And all the work he does for us. So go check it out. Gutter Trash. Um, it's been going on. Him and Jason Young, who recently got married. Um, a Beetlejuice wedding. Remember I told you about the Beetlejuice wedding? Yeah. So that. That was awesome. I saw some uh-huh. of the pictures of that on Facebook. I just wanted to mention that. Oh, I think that's nice. Shout out. Eric Schomborn and Gutter Trash. So, um... Yeah, I guess that's it. Follow us at Cantrain Pod on Twitter, Cantrain Podcast Instagram, and email us Cantrain uh, Podcast at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or tell us to fuck off. And uh, follow Pat on, as Bat Stains or me as Gibby Kane on really everything. Um, so, yeah. I think that's it. So we'll see you next week. And, uh, girl, bye.